0: This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael
1: Dorenda. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to episode 191 of the Laravel News Podcast. Today, is may 9th we've been requested to uh share that on the show so we're going to do that may 9th is the date today quick shout out to honey badger honey badger is error tracking for all of your laravel and other various application needs they do a great job they're bootstrapped they're amazing people and we would highly suggest you go check them out at honeybadger.io without the way my friend you've got a lovely purple sweater sweatshirt on today and you've got also a uh, little Electric necktie there. It looks like because you got some. Your neck is hurt. So old man injuries. Some, uh, yeah, a heating pad. Old man injuries. I'm with you on that, dude. I'm with you. I've been playing basketball on Sunday nights, and um you know, all of a sudden your knee will just hurt when you wake up the next <laughs> yeah. day, yep. or the straight day recovery, or your whole body when you're done. When you're done playing, <laughs> dude, it's been so fun though. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, um it's been good. Like when else do you run for like an hour and a half straight? Yeah, you know, yeah, it's just it just doesn't happen. It keeps you and going. So it's a great workout and exactly exactly it was it's been super fun so mother's day this next sunday so we're gonna have to cancel but yeah
0: especially when you're not particularly good and like it's lots of mm-hmm. back and forth and it's just running miss shot rebound running the other way miss shot rebound running, <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and it's like because yeah. we're coming into winter now it's colder so you usually start a bit slower you know in terms of getting a shot to drop sure sure turnovers things like that because it's cold and it's night, and you don't you know you don't really want to be there and then, so it's a lot of that back and forth. And you're just like, I just want to go home and go to bed.
1: <laughs> Once you get into it, it's fine. Yeah. I yeah, just take a little bit of time. Yeah. So it's for us, it's getting warm again now. Yeah. You know, yeah, we like you. we're in opposite seasons. I was just
0: saying to someone that it feels like we skipped summer. Like we didn't really have a hot summer this year. And, and then like we've gone straight into winter. So it's technically autumn now, but it's just cold. Weird. And I was home by myself. Yeah. the uh, wife and kids were at childcare and at work. And so I was working from home by myself. I'm sitting here with my with my Titan blanket on, keeping myself warm because I'm not turning the heater on the whole house just for for me being here by myself. It's just, it's getting there. I don't like it. I don't like the cold.
1: Dude, this is crazy. So I remember, for all of you who are out there listening, I remember the first time I realized that we had opposite seasons. And I remember how much that blew my mind. Not necessarily because... We had opposite seasons. I think I sort of knew that. I think I sort of knew that. Maybe. I can't remember. I think it was a revelation to me. Mm-hmm. But the other part that was crazy to me is that our school years are different. That was, the thing the part that blew yeah. my mind. Yeah. So, like, in the hemisphere change, like, during our summer, you guys are all in school. And then during our winter, you guys are all on summer break. Mm-hmm. That, that That blew my mind. I couldn't wrap my head around that one. So... Anyway, it's always fun trying to flip my brain around, trying to figure out where you're at with uh, your calendar (laughs) and your seasons and all that stuff. So, hey, shall we get down to it? Let's do it. We've got uh, a shorter show today. I always, you know, I hate to say that because it always ends up turning into not a short show. (laughs) Uh, But we've got one release here, 10.9. We'll start with that. Laravel team has released 10.9, several new features and enhancements. Among the changes are named static methods for middlewares, the new HTTP status assertions for feature testing, and the ability to prune all canceled and unfinished queue batches. Additionally, Ignition IDE, which I've never used before, links with work with the Artisan Serve command, which allows them to open files in their IDE by clicking on the file name displayed on an Ignition error page. So let's take a look at the features and changes introduced. Here we go. Tim McDonald, make Tim Macca, right? Because uh, you guys call mac, McDonald's mac Yeah, yeah we say Mackers. Right, Macca. No, Tim, Tim Maccas con- t- continued uh, enhancing alternative, more PHP-ish ways to define route middleware. Uh, Tim's like king of paper cuts, right? He just uh, he loves to take these little things that are like, yeah, that doesn't feel exactly right. I want to I fix this. And so uh, I did see him tweet about this. I'm trying to remember exactly what the, what the deal was here. Mm. I think he's kind of
0: had this one in the bag for know. a little while. He'd worked on it previously. I need like to take a look before, at the pull requests. Before he yeah, was even I'd at Laravel, out the he kind is. of looked at this. But it's rather than using the string, you know, the strings for the middleware, you can now pass classes and, and things like that just so that it's a little bit more explicit, a bit more oh, PHP yes. native. And also it gives you like the IDE oh, support sure. so that you can click into the class and see what it's doing or you can click into the, the static methods, so you can look at those things that as That is right, well. yeah.
1: Yeah. So before what you had to do is you sort of had to, in your, I think it was in your route service provider, I think is where it was defined. You'd have to set up, um, you'd have to associate like a string with a middleware class in Mm -hmm. that route service provider. And then inside of your uh, routes file, your web.php or whatever, uh, you would have, if you tagged like a middleware onto a route group or just onto a route by itself, you'd have to use those string references in order to be able to pull in those different middlewares. But yeah, Tim made it possible so that you can actually just use the specific class. So you could say instead of an authenticate string, you know, string mm-hmm. authenticate, you can now pass authenticate class. Um, and then you can also, in, in this specific example, uh, with authenticate, there is different types of guards that you can use. So you can have, you know, a web guard, an API guard, you can have different guards like that. And so with this new pull request, you can also specify those uh, by using a magic using Static method, so authenticate uh, double colon using web, and that will allow you to specify a guard. So that's nice, very cool. Uh, I like that, and I'm I'm a big fan of that. Right, like anytime I find a string in my code, mm-hmm. I'm always sort of like, eh, I don't know. I want to
0: refactor it to an enum. Yeah, or- we're very anti the the magic string. It's either you know before we got onto PHP 8.1, it was um you know constants right? on classes, but then it's always like, where do I yep. put the constants? Should it go on the place? That like contains that constant, like the so it's contextual. So you can look like on a person, the person can be like titles, for example, you'd have like constants for Mr. Mrs. Whatever. Yeah. Which is probably a terrible example because that that wouldn't necessarily but you know, where, where do you put those kind of things? And then now we've got enums. It's like all right, that string doesn't belong there. Exactly. Let's go yep. put that in an enum. So it's nice to have that kind of yep. stuff at your fingertips. And just, you know, it gives a more complete development experience in terms of being able to click through your editor um, see you know information directly there with type hints and you know pop-ups and whatever else um, in in the yeah. code editors as well so it's just helpful especially if you're approaching it
1: yeah chances are like if you're using the string in one place you're probably going to be using it in right. multiple places yeah. like specifically like in your tests if only your tests mm-hmm. you're going to use it like and so having a, the ability to reference that with a constant or with an enum instead of just uh, you know another magic string is nice and if you refactor it in the future it's just going to go ahead and handle taking care of all those instead of having to do a string search find and replace yep it's one place to update it instead of you know dozens you got it yeah so this just this kind of goes along with that same idea right is these these middlewares now being able to accept classes instead of just strings Mm -hmm. uh, makes it nice so if you refactor that or if in the future something changes and you need to update those it's just going to go get updated in all those uh, routes as well. okay, Miran al-Mehrab contributed three new HTTP status assertions for writing feature tests in Laravel. So you go ahead and in your test, you say uh, this acting as user get and then you do whatever and that's going to give you back a response and so now what you can do, Uh, You have something like assert OK, which assert OK does a assertion that the status code that was returned is 200. So these are three new status assertions uh, that correspond with status codes 410, 500 and 503. So assert gone is 410. Assert internal server error is 500 and then assert service unavailable is 503. So they're just little convenience methods so that if you want to check for those specific status codes and your feature tests, you can do those using those little named methods now. So that's nice. Uh, James Hulse contributed an ability to queue prune batches. What this will do is allow you to prune any unfinished or canceled batches with the unfinished uh, equals zero and canceled equals zero flags. Uh, now the code will check for non null values. So in the case that you have, uh, batches that are, that are still out there that need to be taken out of your queue, you can just queue colon prune dash batches and they'll take care of that. Okay. Yeah. We have this, uh, ignition IDE links, uh, which I suppose is relevant if you're using that ignition IDE. I'm not sure what that is. Do you know what that is, Michael? No, you I'm not, that before? not heard of it myself. Yeah. Me either. So I'll have to take a look at it. I, I'm, I'm not sure, but. Basically, what this is. I don't
0: think it's Ignition is an IDE. I think within Ignition, which is Laravel's error, you know, the error page you get, the IDE oh, links being oh, able to yeah, say yeah, yeah, yeah. where you know to, where the path is to the so that it can basically take you to that code within within the context of your editor. So you can open, you can uh, click on the I'm reading you know, the an Ignition error right.
1: page. Yes, yes, yes sure, yes. sure, sure. Okay, yeah, that was that was that was uh, worded a little bit odd. I see. Additionally, Ignition IDE links mm-hmm. not Ignition IDE. Okay, right. yeah, I read yep. it wrong. So if you're using sorry, Artisan folks. Serve, sorry, sorry,
0: which is you know Artisan Serve just fires up a, a local like PHP native um, mm-hmm. application yep. server. So you can just go like HTTP one twenty seven zero zero one colon eight thousand. So this is just to say like when you have one twenty seven zero zero one, the files are in you know users Jake code whatever. So it knows where to find those files. So that's that's a handy. We got that's there. really nice. We got there.
1: Yep, we got there exactly. You got it. And you can do that by passing um, through this ignition local sites path uh, environment variable mm-hmm. to the artisan serve command, which then will you know uh, use that path when it's uh, rendering those ignition pages. Mm-hmm. Okay, folks, that's what it is. That's 10.9. That's all of it for uh, the release side of things. And so let's move on to the news.
0: Yeah. Uh, just one item here today written up by our fearless leader, Eric Barnes. And this is uh, using chat GPT to ask a question of the Laravel docs. It's a new project by Cosme Escobedo that uses chat GPT to generate answers from the official Laravel documentation to questions. So trying it out, Eric asked, how can I validate a required email and make sure it's not already in the user's table? And this is what it pre- presented with him. And it goes through, um, assuming they already have set up email verification as described in the context, you can use Laravel's built-in validation rules to validate the email addresses, And ensure that it does not already exist in the users table. First, add email to your registration form with the required and unique validation rules. And it goes through showing you the examples on where to use the rule. It talks about using an inline controller validation. So this is usually a good place to start. I know form requests are quite popular. I use them quite a bit myself. I know that you use them as well. Mm -hmm. If you're if you're just sort of in the spiking stage, if you're just trying to feel your way through it, it's easier to kind of just shove everything into the controller and then refactor it out later once you've got everything kind of working. So it shows you um, using the the string the pipe delimited annotations on how to get all that set up and running. So it looks like it can be quite accurate. Eric was saying that the answer that came out of ChatGTP, uh, ChatGPT, was interesting, but it's not quite what he expected. Um, He was just assuming it would spit out like the specific rule configuration as opposed to giving some context around, you know, where he's in the controller. So um, like many things in chat GPT, many of the results seem to depend on how well you phrase the question. But he says he's very excited to see tools like this one in particular being built and learning a framework in the next few years is going to be easier than than ever before.
1: It's true, yeah. It's like having a mentor uh, beside you, mm-hmm. right? And um, I've used the same thing in Chat GPT a couple times before. And I think the advantage that we have here is so. Chat GPT is it, am I am I seeing that it is? Yeah, there is a typo there. Chat GTP.
0: <laughs>
1: it should be GPT. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and he did it twice. Twice, so I was like, wait a second. Am I crazy? <laughs> am I am I wrong here? Okay, Chat GPT. Um, it's a large large language model that was developed, but is sort of time constrained right it's mm-hmm. not continuing to look at internet references unless you train it to do so which i think is exactly what uh customer escobedo did is you can basically point it at the laravel docs and say like hey go read all this and then i think you can train a little mm. model to do yep. to, to basically work off of that right and so this is a little pre-trained model, I believe, that looks at the latest version of Laravel docs, which is nice because if you're using something later than when the, the chat GPT was released, which I believe is like November 22 or something like that, maybe, it won't have updated answers as far as like Laravel 10 stuff. Right. right. So if you were looking for something like, um, I don't know, pennant, right? Like, how do I do this in, in Laravel pennant or something like that? Mm-hmm. It might not have any information for you unless you used something like this. I haven't tried it out yet. Actually, I did try it out one time, but I just only very briefly. I saw it on Twitter and clicked through it. So there you have that. Okay, on to packages, shall we? We shall. Go for it. All right, so we have this package creating repeatable models with Laravel recurring models. Sometimes you need data to repeat on a date interval, like a standing calendar appointment, a weekly event, or a payment schedule. The recurring models package for Laravel is the ultimate solution for adding recurring functionality to your Laravel models. So you can say model, repeat daily, model, repeat weekly, model, repeat weekly on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And basically what's happening here is when you repeat a model, the start date is calculated using a starts at method on the model, or you can specify the start date uh, yourself by passing a starts at uh, method onto it. You can also set an end date when the recurring model should stop. Uh, and once you have recurring data, you can retrieve it using the packages provided scopes. Where uh, the provided scopes are where occurs on or where occurs between. So this would be something where if you there there are possible ways to do this currently with the existing functionality that you have in Laravel factories, like a sequence for example. Mm-hmm. You could write your own sequence that would do exactly what this is doing, but it's not going to be nearly as Fluent, right? It's not going to be nearly as nice. So, suppose depending on how often it is that you need to do these sorts of things, where you would need to be able to, rec- uh, you know, have a model that repeats or recurs on a particular set of dates, this might be really helpful for you. Um, if it's something you only need to do on a rare occasion, it might be something you might reach for sequences for. Sequences are really, really powerful. And I mean, I've been looking through the factory docs recently and all of the helper methods that they introduced, I'm not sure if it was in nine or 10, but if you have. Let's say you've had like a tenant and users and you could say like uh tenant factory create uh, has, and then you mm-hmm. can pass in a user and that'll automatically pass the tenant to it. There's just some really powerful stuff or with, or whatever. There's, there's a, there's a bunch of them that sort yeah. of help uh, fluently define relationships and things like that. Uh, so if you haven't, I, what I would say is this, this is a great package. I think it's definitely worth highlighting. However, if you have not read through the factory docs recently, you should go give them a look because they're really, really solid. A lot of stuff in in the later versions of Laravel that was pretty cool if you haven't looked through it recently. So go do that. Okay, that's it for me on that one. Beautiful. Next
0: up, we have a Laravel Artisan Raycast extension. For those of you who aren't familiar with it, Raycast is a fast and totally extendable launcher for macOS. It lets you complete tasks, calculate, share common links and more. And what makes Raycast powerful is its extension system. So Kevin Batdorf has created a new one a new extension to search and browse all of the artisan commands from within Raycast. Not only can you browse all the commands, you can also switch Laravel versions to get documentation on whatever version you're currently using. So this is, you know, if you're wanting to look up uh, what's available, it gives you a nice uh, fuzzy search to do that. So you can search for cache colon, it will give you all the cache options, you can search for migrate, it will give you all of that stuff. And it gives you context around usage, the the method signature, the options that you can pass to it, any arguments that you can pass to it, and things like that. Um, handy if you want to, you know, just pull up Raycast and and look in there rather than having to, you know, open up the terminal and go into Artisan or or things like that manually. Um, just a nice little quality of life thing to check out there. So I have links to that in the show notes for you.
1: I just installed it. There we go. There you go. Oh man, I'm getting all sorts of good stuff. I've got, I've got, I just got um, Laravel Docs Extension, Laravel Forge Extension, Laravel Artisan Extension, and Laravel Livewire Extension. All sorts of good stuff. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah, all sorts of good stuff. Raycast is cool. I, I've I've liked using it. I have actually both Alfred and Raycast installed at the same time right now. I've bound one of them to Command Space and the other one to Caps Lock Space. Cause I wasn't ready to give up Alfred, but slowly Alfred stuff just keeps breaking and dying, and I slowly just am switching over to Raycast. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. When when a, when a plugin breaks on Alfred, I don't try and fix it anymore. I just go find the replacement in Raycast and yeah. install it, and then try that. You know, so it's um it's an inevitable thing. I think the thing I like the most with Alfred is the I, the thing I use the most for sure is their clipboard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, your clipboard
0: history. The Clipboard History? Yeah. yeah, I use that all the time. Yeah. I don't know if Raycast has that or yeah. not. If they do, maybe at some yeah, point I'll switch over. It does that. I, the... I use the Clipboard History and Raycast all the time as well.
1: Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah, maybe I need to switch over to that. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on, my friends. Postgres. Okay, so you know what? Am I saying that right? Is it Postgres? Yep, that'll do. Is that how people say it? Okay. So this is a little bit different. It's not Postgres. It's Posts, Postgres sequel. No, same thing. Which is, is it? Yeah. Is it the same thing? People yeah. just typically don't write out the whole thing. Yeah, typically, right? just, you know, people say Postgres, it's usually in reference to PostgresQL. PostgresQL. Mm-hmm. Learn something new every day. PostgresQL, which I've never used it before. Have you used Postgres? No. PostgreSQL I hear, before?
0: you know, everyone No, everyone that that I know that uses it speaks very highly of it, but it's just, you know, it does lots of things natively that are kind of like bolts on and hack arounds in MySQL in some instances. Um, but it's got a lot, it's got a, mm-hmm. because it's ANSI SQL, so it's by standard SQL, as opposed to MySQL, which is like sort of the SQL, but not really in, in every aspect, it does have a lot more native data types than, than what, oh, than what MySQL does. Um, but that's just, you I'm know, have scratching have to check the this ones. out actually.
1: Yeah. I would love to have like, I'm, I'm just going to, I might spin up a demo project and try this out and just see what's different about it. I'm going to have to do like a comparison or something. Okay, so let's talk about this package. This package makes it easy to use native PostgreSQL. PostgresQL, Postgres, let's let's (laughs) link to that. Okay. Postgres full-text search capabilities with Laravel Scout. So what is Laravel Scout, you might ask? Um, If you want full-text search, Laravel Scout was created a couple of years ago. Uh, and I say a couple of years ago, it's more than a couple of years ago, but it was essentially originally built to interface with, oh, I forget the name of it now. It starts with an A. Algolia. Algolia. Thank you. Yeah. For the longest time, Algolia was like the only driver. And, and I, or maybe it was also like um, uh, ElastiCache or whatever it was. I can't remember. In any case, now you can do this with Postgres, right? So you have these full text search capabilities. With Laravel Scout. And essentially, what this allows you to do is it allows you to, whenever you update or create or delete a model, it will add, update, or remove an index item that lives in a particular location, right? Typically, like Algolia or Redis or Postgres now, Mm -hmm. right? And so you can do this really easily now using Postgres. The way this integration works is that the parse document model data is stored in the same table in the searchable column. With the TS vector type, well, so those of you who know what that is, there you go. Um, you can fine-tune how each model works by integrating a searchable options method, which allows you to c- have a configurable column name, so the default is searchable. Rank groups can be assigned to fields in the table. Rank weights are configurable for each rank group and configurable ranking function to use TS rank, TS rank CD, rank normalization, and more. So it sounds like you get a little bit more than just what you would typically get. But uh, we'll just stick with the title, which is that, which is that Postgres full-text search is available now for Laravel Scout. And um, there is one other one, uh, Melee Search, actually. Mm-hmm. We installed that recently, and that thing works like a charm. It's awesome. The cool thing about that, too, is that you can use all the Algolia search components. like You can use all the view components and things like that and React components mm-hmm. that, uh, that Algolia provides with Melee Search. You're nice.
0: So it's like Algolia. So, compatible, sorry, Algolia. Which is handy.
1: I, I hate. Yeah, I hate to tell you that Algolia, but that's what we're doing. We still have a subscription to Algolia. We pay for it every month, so we're not. I'm not freeloading here. But we also use melee search for a couple of things that are a little <laughs> more heavy. So pretty cool. Very cool. All right, on with the show. Next
0: up, Dries Vince released a new package that brings support for Lemon Squeezy to Laravel. Uh, It's an upcoming package. Well, he's announced it. I don't know if it's out yet, but he's announced it. It's an upcoming package to easily create checkouts, manage subscriptions, and more. The package is designed to easily integrate your Laravel application with the Lemon Squeezy SaaS application platform for payments, tax, and subscriptions for software companies. Dries has been working hard to bring the initial pre-release version, and during the pre-release phase, you can expect breaking changes leading up to a stable version 1. And while we're not sure what features will be available or when, the roadmap has some exciting features listed, including subscription invoices, support for license keys, marketing emails, product and variant listing, custom price checkouts, and creating discount codes. And where things get really exciting for Paul, who wrote this article, is the checkout section of the Readme, which includes docs on how to create checkouts for customers, such as single payments, supporting an overlay widget, and even pre-filling user data for checkouts using a fluent interface. Um, So you could have a route set up in your application called slash buy, and it returns a redirect for the request user, checkout, arrow checkout, with name, with email, with billing address, with tax number, with discount code, all fluently defined. And it will handle all of that, wrap you up, and send you straight into Lemon Squeezy. But the readme itself has quite a bit of detail for the initial pre-release. And while the package will possibly and probably have breaking changes before version one is out, feel free to jump jump in early and test it out, get your feedback to Dreese. To do that so i think lemon squeezy is another one of those kind of merchant of record payment providers similar to what or oh, paddle is you know where they act as the merchant of record that's what i was gonna
1: ask how it compares to paddle yeah yeah
0: um i think it's just a little bit more of a modern thing i think i don't want to get this wrong because my memory is not the best but i think there was some like paddle took some some vc money or, or you know they took some finance whatever the terminology is and things have kind of stalled out maybe a little bit um in that regard lemon squeezy seems to be a bit more modern looks you know it's more closely aligned to stripe but it does that merchant of record stuff which um stripe doesn't do so it means you're not liable for the tax implications collecting tax on behalf of users depending on right. where in the world yeah, they are, things is like a, that.
1: it's kind of a disaster right the tax compliance burden right they handle all of that. Yeah. So you can focus on the Correct. And so you just get one payment
0: things. from um, them. You're not you know, you don't have to worry about figuring out whether you need to take tax, how much you have to take, and things like that. They they handle all of that as a merchant of record on your behalf, I am pretty sure. So um if I'm wrong, I'm sure someone will correct yeah. me. And if fees I'm not and check fraud it out. yeah, all sorts of yeah, stuff. Yeah, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So yep. Yep. it's kind of like a nice you know, in between Paddle and and Stripe. So definitely check it out. Um, I know that there's a lot of people selling, you know, courses and educational content and things like that, but it's, you know, for subscription billing, it's for um, one-off staff as well. So definitely check it out. And, you know, Dries, we we've come to, you know, see from his open source work a, a really polished product as well. So definitely check it out. Give him a shout out on Twitter as well.
1: This is a really interesting platform too. Um, they've got some interesting things that are sort of built in as first class concepts, right? Like this idea of license key management. Mm-hmm. So automatically issuing license keys, selling digital downloads. Um, so like you, anybody can provide a download link, but what about like security or abuse of those links? Like, and just providing that for a bunch of people to mm-hmm. download, like how does that work? So these, these are things that previously you would say like, oh yeah, I can use Stripe to do the payment stuff. But then you'd have to build your own license key management portion, right? And so now this just is like no, 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 no. That's first class here. You get that for free here, and then also like failed payment recovery, like you know what do they call that? Dunning, yep. yeah, powerful dunning, dunning management, yep. yeah, exactly. And that's just included. And I think on Stripe that's something you have to pay extra for. I'm quite sure. So um, anyway, really interesting. Yeah, really interesting. There was one other thing I was going to say about that, which is oh, I figured out why they call it Lemon Squeezy. Do you know why they call it Lemon Squeezy? Easy peasy. Lemon Squeezy. Let's exactly. It. it took me a minute. I was like, why? Why would they call it Lemon Squeezy? Does it doesn't make sense. I get it though. Hey, um, you know, the good news is something like this really does allow you to write easier code. And I appreciate Drees so much because he always exposes these things in such a nice um, API. But even when you're using something like that, let's face it, you're going to have errors. Even code written by amazing developers such as yourself. When errors happen, it's nice to know the honey badger has your back honey badger makes you a devops hero by combining error monitoring uptime monitoring and check-in monitoring into a single easy to use platform this is your real-time alerts with all the context that you need to see what's causing the error and where that error is hiding so you can quickly fix it and get on your day the included uptime and cron monitoring also lets you know when any of your external services are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail so go to honeybadger.io and discover how star josh and ben Created a 100% non-VC, bootstrapped monitoring solution. Why is that important? You might ask. Well, self-funding means they only answer to you, the developer, rather than a venture capital overlord, so they can continue to make great software for you. Honeybadger.io, check it out. Thanks so much, Honeybadger, for sponsoring the show. Thanks, Honeybadger. All right. Hey, I want to talk about this next one. Ldap Records, yeah. Steve Bauman, you mind? All Go right. For it. We've been using actually a different package for this. And I'm sort of like, I don't really want to use LDAP anymore, but if I have to, I'm going to use this package. So this is a fully featured lightweight directory access protocol. That's what LDAP stands for, or or, yeah, lightweight directory access protocol framework. It helps you quickly integrate LDAP into your PHP applications. Uh, It recently released version three, and thought it'd be a good time to share this package with all the folks who might have to interact with LDAP providers on the regular. So it includes an active record ORM, and it ships with models for popular LDAP directories, such as entry, user, group, printer. Uh, so these are all models that are presented or um, you know available inside of this package. You have Open LDAP models like entry, user, group, and organizational unit, and OU, and free IPA models like entry, user, and group. So it kind of covers uh, these different LDAP directory types, right? Active Directory, Open LDAP, and free IPA. The models also support relationships, model accessors, and mutators, and a powerful model query builder. In addition to the models, this package has other features like authentication or fluent filter builders, multi-domain ready, has query caching, restoring deleted objects, event handling, and listening for LDAP actions, logging events, testing support for LDAP, and more. You can get started with the package using their quick start guide and the official documentation, and also check out the source code, which is available on uh, GitHub. I will say the documentation looks really, really nice. You can tell they've put a lot of time and effort into this, uh, but it does look simple to use as well. If you've ever had to deal with LDAP stuff, you know it can be quite yeah. difficult. Uh, it has the potential to be difficult. I will say that we had to home roll all our own stuff, which is why I'm sort of like, man, I don't really want to touch it. It's just yeah. working right now. Yeah. <laughs> but if I had to do it over, man alive, I would love, I would have loved to have something like this, especially having uh, that we talked to support. Active Directory through this. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, Yeah, doing the testing is is just sort of like
0: yeah. I'm sure it'll be fine in production, kind of thing. Otherwise, you know, you've got to have your dev environments talking to your LDAP controllers. How many how many places are going to have like a development LDAP server set up that kind of mirrors production enough that you can kind of you know use it? So being able to test that kind of stuff. Yeah, we don't.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we don't. We we literally that's what I do. As I point it to production locally, I'm like, okay, nobody touch it. Mm -hmm. Don't anybody touch it. Yeah. So, anyway, this is a cool one. Thank you, uh, Steve, for uh, sharing that one. And thanks for Paul. Thanks, Paul, for writing that one up.
0: Nice. Next one here, also from everyone's favorite human, Paul, is the ability to send toast notifications in your LiveWire application with the toaster package. The toaster package for LiveWire creates beautiful toast notifications for your Laravel LiveWire applications and provides a seamless experience, allowing you to send a toast to the UI from a standard controller or LiveWire component. You don't have to worry about session flashing. You just Dispatch your toast message. This is done by going toaster colon colon success and that's it. So let's say you have a controller creating a database record and afterward you want to redirect the user. You can use the library to send a toast message by chaining onto the redirect. You just do redirect colon colon route arrow info, whatever you want to put in there. And then uh, in your front end, you can create a button, say so at click toaster.success and put in form submitted on your buttons as well. So if that was unclear, which I'm sure it was because it sounded unclear as I was hearing it back in my own voice. Um, (laughs) You can learn more about the package, get the installation instructions and view the source code on GitHub. Look, they look pretty. They seem pretty simple to dispatch and nobody really wants to implement Toaster notifications themselves. So check that out.
1: Okay. Last item we have here is a tutorial from who other, who other but Steve McDougall, the man himself, Steve King, the king, as we call him around these (laughs) parts. Uh, but he's got a tutorial called small, but powerful CLI apps with mini CLI. So, um, building CLI applications, as he explains here, can be a lot of fun, right? You don't have to worry about a UI. You don't have to worry about getting any of that set up or tailwind. You don't have to worry about any of that front end stuff. So mm-hmm. you can just build your CLI app and away you go. Right. Uh, there's a lot of options. Uh, you have this de facto standard symphony console component. You have Laravel zero, which is Nuno Maduro, but, it's possible that you might want to create a CLI application where you have as few dependencies as possible, right? That's where mini CLI comes in. So mini CLI was released by a contributor, not a contributor, a author, Erica Heidi, uh, as an experiment at first to build a completely dependency free CLI framework that leaned on PHP's read line extension as its only dependency. And so Steve basically goes into this idea that they, there has been this interest recently and this idea of native PHP, which is essentially like a compiled PHP that you can ship in an application. So think like, uh, what's it? I'm trying to remember what it's called now. PHP C. makes X- 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 it
0: does this. You can get it as like a binary.
1: Yeah. But I'm trying to think of the uh, the, the platform, Electron, right. like that, right? Sort of like with Electron, you can you know compile a native app that you can just install on your machine. That's like what VS Code is, I believe, mm-hmm. right? And uh, like Slack and what Teams, Microsoft Teams used to be. But there's this idea now of being able to do the same thing with native PHP. So Steve started looking back towards the PHP space. What if I could build a lightweight, easy-to-maintain, and portable PHP CLI application? So this is when he took another look at mini CLI because the the fewer dependencies that you have, fewer chances that you have for this problem of, oh, no, that dependency doesn't work with this application, this environment, so you can't use it. No, none none of that. So he goes through his recommended approach for building a mini CLI application and uh, kind of walks through the different steps for how you can go ahead and get started with that. So if that's something you're interested in, Steve always does an excellent job. Um, this is a quick one as well. It's only a few minute read. And if that's something you'd be interested in, you should definitely go check that one out. Dude, this native PHP stuff is pretty cool. Yeah, right. I'm for getting sure. excited about it. It looks really interesting, and it's so funny because some people are like, "Why? Why are you doing this? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Why? There's already solutions for this." You yeah. Know? Electron or whatever. And it's like, well, I want to use PHP. Like, yeah. I, I want to use the tools that I love to use yeah. to create applications. Don't, don't want to have and to learn... That's, I mean, that's Yeah,
0: like you don't want to have to learn how to use JavaScript to to build that kind of stuff. You know, if, yeah. if you're a predominantly, you know, backend PHP developer and you don't really right. like that, don't want to do that, you know, being able to simplify your tool set to be able to build this kind of functionality, you know, to ship an application... To users, you know, it might be something that they don't, they're, they're restricted for that. You know, and it just depends on your persistence layer as well, I suppose. You know, how you're going to yeah, I, save that I, stuff. I think,
1: like, with with this, I was thinking it's probably going to use like some sort of SQLite database in the back. That's what I think. Yeah, it depends right? on how you're, how you're sharing stuff, right? If you
0: need to persist that, if it's like one client, like if it's the application, but you've got multiple. People using it, I can see a, a scenario where you'd still need some mm. kind of
1: ah sure you know
0: external, external, persistence. external yeah. persistence, but yeah.
1: But even with that, like it, with Laravel, you can still you know you can connect to a resource outside of yeah you know obviously that's what you do every time you connect to a database anyway you just connection string and away you go yep you, know, you still have to have like an env so I don't know there's, so there's some interesting challenges right a lot of those challenges are already solved with you know like electron stuff solves those env things it's not a big deal right it's not too bad No. Um, so Marcel, po- uh, Pocia has been working on a lot of that. It's been interesting to kind of follow along and watch what's going on there. But as soon as he starts, uh, putting some of that stuff out there where we can start using it, I'm, I've got some fun ideas, some applications we've currently bought, got built in Electron that I would love to be able to replace with mm-hmm. a native PHP application It'd be nice. pretty cool. And, and with live wire and, and all that stuff too. It's like, you can still get that front end snappy SPA feel without having to have a whole bunch of, um, JavaScript stuff in there yeah just use some live wire there's some live wire in there yep well hey I think that brings us to the end of the show today that's it that was a shorter one today it's it it. uh it is that's all that's all the, that's all she wrote all right this episode 191 show notes for this episode can be found at podcast.laravel news.com slash uh, 191 hit us up on Twitter's or at blue sky I'm just kidding Michael <laughs> do you have blue sky yet
0: no nah. someone someone will sent me an invite no. one day I
1: I had one today, and I had to send it to TJ. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I only had one. Sorry, dude. Uh, anyway, you can hit us up on Twitter at Jacob Bennett, at Michael Dorinda, or at Laravel News. And if you liked the show, we would appreciate it if you'd rate it up in your podcatcher's choice. Five stars would be much appreciated. Sorry, dude, don't hate me. Oh, it's fine. I see that look. We'll get there. I see your, we'll get there. I eventually. See your face getting more and more red. You're just so mad if, at like,
0: me right now. It was, it was the same thing with Mastodon, right? I went on there to secure my handle and like i used it for a couple Mm -hmm. of weeks but you know and then i went back to twitter and and now they've kind of yeah i was using spring for twitter which they had like a beta that you could install and you could put in your own api keys and and that way you didn't like run into those okay application wide limits but then all of that got shut
1: down and now i don't really have access why why do they do that i don't understand like if you're playing yeah well I know, I know, but wasn't it like I don't remember what the drama was. It's like you have to pay some inordinate amount in order to be able to have enough access to the API or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. What is, it? is that what it is? Yeah, I think you might feel like a Twitter blue subscriber, you yeah, don't have API access there's, or what?
0: There's a, there's a free, right? There's a free tier now, which gives you like some nominal or some, you know, some basic access to yeah, you know, which for an individual is fine, but they've kind of broken the developer website where you can't actually get in like i had some legacy applications from like years ago and so that pushes you know i've got four apps but i'm only allowed to have one but i can't actually access the extra apps to delete them in order to be able to like upgrade upgrade my plan or whatever to the basic the current basic tier so it's a bit bit annoying um so i just like checking i think it's some of it is intentional
1: then. too yeah of course it is right i think it's intentional right because what they are trying to do is they're trying to like rid twitter of all the bots mm-hmm. is i think the idea right and so they're wanting to make it prohibitively expensive right for people who aren't very serious but i mean obviously there's a lot of you know innocent casualties along the way yeah. with a bunch of companies who have built their entire business on top of the ability to be able to interact with twitter through an api or even
0: like you know what warning alert systems and things like that storm warnings that that would Post to Twitter. Like, I think some of that stuff's been rectified now, but it's just brazen. I, I get, yeah, I get I that mean, they like need to you... kind
1: of fund the platform, but I think. Well, fund the platform, but also get rid of all the bots. I think that's the right. It's definitely fund to the platform, but also yeah. stop all the spam and garbage and yeah. whatever.
0: I, I, don't, I don't think they've stopped the bots, to be perfectly honest. So, yeah.
1: I, don't you think it has had a lar- large effect to do that, though? I mean, it, it's got to. If all of the applications that were previously able to access it have basically been the free tier has been completely wiped out right there's no there's no free tier some people aren't going to go they're either not going to pay the money they'd have to be really serious about it if they really wanted to pay the money but there
0: are still bots like i still get all kinds of junk you know and dms especially you know that stuff still comes through so you know it is it is what it is um i just go to twitter.com go i'm sure i saw these tweets already and then close it and if it's important i'll see someone will post about it somewhere
1: I guess the other thing too is it doesn't necessarily stop real people from acting as bots, right? right. Like you can pay low wage labor to go out and, and do stuff too. No. I mean, there's nothing going to stop that. No. So that's right. Anyway, that's the other half of it, probably. Let's well, see. hey, anyway, anyway, thanks everybody for hanging out with us, and uh, we'll catch you next time. See you later. See ya.